Don't touch the stovetop with your hand. Why? Because the stovetop could be hot and you could get burned. Look both ways before you cross the street. Why? So you don't get hit by a car. Exercise 30 minutes a day. Why? To care for your body and to prevent disease. And one from my childhood here in Florida. Don't swim in a lake at sunrise or at dusk. Why? So you don't get bitten by an alligator during alligator feeding time. What do all of these phrases have in common? They are commands. They are warnings. They are instructions telling us what to do or what not to do. These instructions, they have a purpose. They seek to protect us from danger and to keep us from harm. These instructions are for our own good. These warnings, these instructions, they seem reasonable. And yet, what do we do when we hear these warnings? We do not always heed them. We touch the hot stovetop just to see how hot it really is and to see if it will really burn us. Sometimes we get lucky and the stovetop is cool. No burns, no danger, no harm done. And sometimes, ouch, we burn our hands. We experience the painful consequence of touching a hot surface. Life is full of these warnings and instructions. Some of them, like not touching a hot stovetop, they're easy to learn and easy to obey. Some of them, like exercising 30 minutes a day, they sound easy, but they're a lot harder to obey. They require a lot more follow through on our part. There are consequences for not obeying instructions or, war or heeding warnings. Some consequences are minor. Some consequences are major and long lasting. Our actions affect other people. Warnings and instructions are given in order to care for the entire community. I may have done wrong, and I could face the consequences of my actions. And also, the wrong that I have done and the consequences of my actions could also affect other people, even people I don't know. God gave the Israelite people commands laws or instructions for living in relationship with God, in relationship with other people, in relationship with the land. We call these instructions God's covenant way of life. God raised up leaders like Moses, Joshua, and the judges to teach the Israelites how to live by God's covenant way of life. When the Israelites asked for a king, God entrusted the kings to guide the Israelites according to God's covenant way of life. When the people failed to obey the covenant instructions, when the kings failed to lead according to God's covenant, God raised up prophets, men and women, to call the Israelite people back into covenant relationship with God, back into covenant relationship with other people. The prophets called out idolatrous behavior and acts of injustice. The prophets warned the kings and the people that there would be consequences if the people did not obey God's covenant way of life. The prophets warned God's people of the loss of the land, the loss of independence, destruction, and even death that will take place if the people do not obey God. After the death of King Solomon, the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms, 
the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. None of the kings in the northern kingdom of Israel listened to the prophets. People in the northern kingdom worshipped idols and acted unjustly. They allowed themselves to be influenced by foreign gods. They did not care for the needs of the poor. In 722-721 BC, the northern kingdom was overtaken by Assyria. The people in the southern kingdom of Judah, they also struggled. Ten of their 14 kings did not listen to the prophets. They did not stop their idol worship or their acts of injustice. While the remaining four kings tried to live according to God's covenant way of life, it was not enough to repair the damage done when the people strayed from God. The people of Judah, they saw the destruction and the overpowering of the Israelites in the northern kingdom, and still that wasn't enough to change their ways. Babylon invaded the southern kingdom of Judah in 587-586 B.C., Our scripture reading for today tells us of what happened when Babylon invaded Judah. The army of Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem. King Nebuchadnezzar raided the temple and stole all of the treasures from the temple and the royal palace. Over time, the walls and buildings of Jerusalem were demolished. The temple was destroyed. The king of Judah, along with the king's family, servants, military officers, and court officials, surrendered to King Nebuchadnezzar. The best and the brightest of Judah, along with the king, royal family, court officials, military officers, were taken from their homeland in Judah and exiled in Babylon. Only the poorest of the poor of Judah's people were left behind in Judah. By 586 BC, all of the people of Israel, whether they lived in the north or in the south, they found themselves in exile. Some of these Israelites were forcibly removed from their homeland and forced to live in foreign lands among strangers who spoke different languages, practiced different customs, ate different foods, and worshipped different gods. The Israelites in exile wondered how they would sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Some of the Israelites remained in the land and found themselves soon surrounded by non-Israelite people who moved into the land. While their homes stayed the same, their neighbors changed. Other languages were spoken, new customs were practiced, and different gods were worshipped right next door to the remaining Israelites. The Israelites were left behind in Israel. They were also in exile because of all the change happening all around them. The poor Judeans, left behind in Jerusalem and Judah, found themselves forgotten and abandoned. Their homes and their nation were all destroyed. They did not have the means to rebuild. They did not ask to be left behind, and yet that's what happened to them. They felt hopeless. They found themselves in exile, struggling to survive. Exile. It's not an isolated incident that happened to the Israelites and the Judeans long ago. Various people groups have experienced exile throughout history. Native Americans and First Nations people were in exile when Europeans arrived in North America and claimed North America, this land, as their own. 
These indigenous peoples were forcibly removed from their homeland time and time again. Enslaved Africans were in exile when they were forcibly removed from their homeland, stuffed into slave ships, carted across the Atlantic Ocean, and made to work for people who now owned them. For 400 years of slavery and Jim Crow and other acts of racism here in the United States of America, the descendants of these Africans have been in exile. Immigrants to America found themselves in exile as they came to this land seeking freedom and opportunity only to be met with disdain and prejudice. Irish people found themselves in exile in Ireland during the long conflict between Catholics and Protestants. Jews and other minority groups were exiled during the Holocaust. Japanese and Germans were exiled in internment camps here in the United States of America during World War II. Refugees, asylum seekers, the undocumented, as well as parents separated from children at the borders are experiencing exile even now. Living through COVID-19 has been a form of exile. People have been separated from loved ones out of fear of spreading the virus. Normal activities and the way we go about our lives have changed. If we are honest with ourselves, you and I have experienced exile. Exile is being forcibly removed from our homes and moved to strange lands, and it is also disconnection. If you have ever felt disconnected, disconnected from yourself, from relationships with other people, from relationship with God, then you have been in exile, and you know the pain of exile. When we are disconnected, we are often stuck in shame. Dr. Brene Brown defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Shame is the fear that something we have said or done Likewise, something we have not said or not done makes us unworthy and unlovable. Shame lies to us and tells us that we are bad, that there is nothing good about us. Shame makes us forget who we are. Genesis 1 and 2 remind us of who we are. We are beloved children of God made in God's image, sharing God's very breath of life. We resist shame and move out of self-exile when we choose kindness, connection, and empathy. We speak kindly to ourselves and remind ourselves that we are beloved children of God. We are human and we make mistakes. Our mistakes do not define us. Our mistakes do not negate the core of our identity of our humanity. We reach out to trusted people and share with them our shame experiences. Reaching out to others connects us in relationship and reminds us that we are not alone. These other people have the opportunity to listen to us and to relate to the emotions we are expressing. 
We move out of the exile of shame when we reach out for love and reconnection with ourselves, with other people, and with God. When we are disconnected, we often feel guilty. Dr. Brown describes the feeling of guilt as when we hold up something we've done or failed to do against our values and find that they don't match up. Guilt is different from shame. Shame lies to us and tells us that we are bad. Guilt is the acknowledgement that we have done something bad. Did you hear the difference? Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, I have done something bad. I have acted or said something that hurt others. Guilt enables us to recognize that we have done wrong and caused harm to ourselves or to other people by what we have done or left undone. Guilt helps us to see how we have failed to love God and failed to be an obedient church. For the ancient Israelites, they found themselves in exile because they did not recognize how they had disconnected from God's way of life. Their words, actions, and lifestyles separated them from themselves, from other people, and from God. While some of the Israelites may have felt guilty and sought to make amends, other Israelites never felt guilty and never tried to change their ways. We move out of the exile of guilt when we acknowledge that our words and actions have disconnected us from ourselves, from other people, and from God. We actively seek connection by apologizing, making amends, asking for forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, and changing our behavior. Exile can make us feel hopeless. The truth is, we are never alone. God is with us in our exile. God is with us even when we feel disconnected from God. God is at work making all things new. Even in the midst of our exile, God seeks to connect with us and to restore us and right connections with other people. God reminds us of who we are as God's beloved children. The Israelites may have felt hopeless and alone while they were in exile, but God was still with them and at work in the world around them. The prophet Jeremiah offered plenty of warnings to the people of Judah as to the exile that would happen if they did not reject their sinful actions and return to God's covenant way of life. Along with the warnings, looming consequences, Jeremiah offered words of enduring hope. Hear these words in Jeremiah 31, verses 2 through 4. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. As Israel searched for a place of rest, the Lord appeared to them from a distance. I have loved you with a love that lasts forever. And so with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Again, I will build you up and you will be rebuilt. Jeremiah shares a vision of God rebuilding Israel and resettling the people once again in the land. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 8 through 9 say, I'm going to bring them back from the north. I will gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the disabled, expectant mothers and those in labor. A great, thaw, a great throng will return here. With tears of joy, 
they will come. While they pray, I will bring them back. I will lead them by quiet streams and on smooth paths so they don't stumble. I will be Israel's father. Even though the Israelites will experience pain and exile, pain and exile do not have the last word. God is doing something new for the people of Israel and also for the whole of creation. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34 prophesies, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people's. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. Pain and exile do not have the last word for us either. I'm preaching to you from the third floor, from a room on the third floor that used to be a storage room that's been cleared out and made way for a new office space for an upcoming partnership with a local nonprofit. For some of you that have been part of First Church for a long time, this new building offered a lot of hope and promise for all the people that would be in this building day in and day out. And some of those hopes, some of those promises, they haven't yet been fulfilled. And sometimes that makes us feel as though we're in exile. That makes us feel disappointed and discouraged and perhaps even a little bit without hope. But here in this room, this empty room that's sort of unfinished, I can see possibility. I can see potential. I can see and dream and envision the new things that will happen here in this space on the third floor of our church. Friends, we can hold on to the hope that God is still making all things new, even you and me and this church. Come back next Sunday and hear how God restores the people to life after the exile. Amen.